I appreciate Aaron leading us through that time of prayer for our congregation. There are many more. Uh, we're praying for Fern. Many more of you who are struggling uh, just physically and for healing. We've been praying for our children and our grandchildren, uh, some who don't know the Lord yet and who are walking away. We're praying for friends of ours, people that we love and care about, asking God to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have been praying as this church. And in fact, our leadership group, uh, the, the, the Future Direction team, and even previous leadership groups in this church have often articulated this truth, that prayer was going to be our primary strategy moving forward, that, that God was going to do and revitalize in this church through prayer. So often I think those are words. I, I know they are for me. I, sometimes I'll say, prayer, yeah, oh yeah, I believe in prayer. And then it's like, well, I've read my Bible today. Does that count as prayer? I, I did my devotion time, but did I pray? Did, did I get to a point where I was like saying, Lord, I need you, and, and Lord, I'm not moving from here until you move. Now, I don't always suggest that prayer because we might be sitting a long time, but, but the idea that I am going to continue to bring this request before you, I'm going to continue to ask you to move. Um, we've been looking at Jesus as a disciple maker, how Jesus taught his disciples, how Jesus taught specific truths to us. Um, and Jesus actually taught us about prayer. His own uh, disciples asked him to do this. In Luke chapter 11, um, it says one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place. Notice that. Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was needing to be before the Father. Jesus was needing God's presence. Jesus was bringing his needs before the Lord and praying for the God's mission. Jesus was praying in a certain place. His disciples, when he had finished, they didn't interrupt him. <laughs> that was a good idea. One of his disciples did say, Hey, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray like that. Just as John, John the Baptist, he, he taught his disciples to pray, how are we supposed to pray? I think that reveals something, right? It reveals that people who are around spiritual things, people who are involved with spiritual things, people who are doing spiritually good works can often miss out on the spiritual part. Here's the disciples. They were the disciples of Jesus. Oh, they were helping, you know, feed the 5,000. They were passing out the food. Oh, they were helping go in Jesus' name and proclaiming the good news about the Messiah had come. They were healing the sick. They were curing diseases. They were driving out demons. But then when they saw Jesus pray, they saw something was missing. Something in their prayer life was missing. Now, you know Jesus' response to this. You probably know it well. It's what we often call the Lord's Prayer. Some people prefer to call it the model prayer. You know this one, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who... You know this one. It comes to mind quickly. If anybody has heard a prayer, it's usually that one. But in the Gospel of John, we see something else. We actually have the only real snapshot when we see Jesus in an extended time of prayer. And in John's Gospel, we can see not just that very short model of prayer, but we can see an extended uh, view into Jesus' prayer life. 
I think there's some things that teach us, that taught his disciples, and Jesus as a disciple maker, as we bring people into our prayer life, I think we can follow Jesus' model here. Look in John 17 with me, um, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus had said this, he looked up towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. He's speaking about himself, that your Son that might glorify you. Here's the first truth I want you to walk away with today. Jesus actually prayed for himself. Father, glorify your Son, so that he might glorify you. Jesus actually prayed for himself. That may not be a surprising thing because most of us pray when we pray. What did you pray for? Lord, help me. <laughs> help me on this test. Help me have, get, get to, through work today. <clears throat> Lord, help me with that person. Really, you need to help that person. But, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I, I don't want to condemn it. Help me, you know, right? Normally, we're praying for our situations. We're praying for ourselves so often. But I have met on occasion... The person who, when I say, well, do you have any prayer needs that we can, the church can pray for you about? Is, is there any way we could, we could pray for you? I mean, and they said, I don't pray for myself. There are so many needs in the world that are much greater than mine. I don't pray. Now, it's well-meaning, right? It's well, it, 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 there's, a, there, there's, a, there's humility. There, there's a realization that there are people in crisis. I'm praying about the fact that, oh, no, one of the taillights is out on my car, and uh, someone else is praying about, oh, gosh, uh, we either shelling in our city and bombs are bursting all around, and, right, that that's happening today. There are some that are praying for, oh, Lord, you know, um, I wish the blade on my lawnmower was a little sharper so I didn't have to go over this patch twice. And others are praying for, well, a house that's burned down. That, 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 yeah, we need to recognize that so often um, we are praying for things that are very real for us and there are bigger things and we need to have a heart for the world. But we need to realize we do not need to spiritualize and not pray for ourselves. In fact, that is what Jesus prays for here. He prays for himself, and he's modeling that one of the things we should be praying about is our own hearts and our own lives. He prays for himself. But I want you to notice something specifically. How he prayed for himself and what he prayed for himself. First, how. Look what he says. Father in heaven, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. As he's praying about himself, he's praying about himself in relation to the Father, in relation to God's design on his life. He's praying that God would do the work that God had intended for him. Glorify your son. Do what you want to do in me. Do what your plan and purpose is for me. Now, for Jesus, it's different than us a little bit, right? For Jesus, he can pray, glorify your son, because he knows that he is the Savior Messiah of the world. He knows that he and he alone is the one who would die for sins. He knows that he and he alone is that incarnate uh, word of God, that he is the one who has come to reveal who God is, and that when he is lifted up, he draws all men to himself. So for him, it is very appropriate to say, glorify your son. That's probably not the prayer for you. Jesus, glorify your pastor. That, 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 that inappropriate, inappropriate prayer. Jesus, make me the best 
Well, probably inappropriate. But God, finish your work in me. God, glorify your name in me. God, do the work of transformation in my life. God, make me more like your son, that your son might be given glory through every word I speak, that your son might be given glory through the love that I show. God, would you glorify your name in me? Make Jesus great in my eyes so that the world would see just how much he is worth. Yeah, that's an appropriate prayer. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. You see, that's a little bit more about what Jesus prayed about himself. Jesus prayed for the work that God had intended for him to do to be accomplished. He needed that strength as he was facing. This is the night before he's going to the cross as he is going to prepare to bear the sins of humanity and the jeers and the hatred of humanity as he's about to be betrayed by those who were closest to him. Jesus needed the strength, the strength that only the Father could give, and he prays, uh, about himself that God would help him finish the work. He knew exactly who he is. In fact, in verse 2 it says, For you granted him, meaning himself, authority over all people, that you might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He knew that he had a purpose about bringing salvation, about bringing eternal life. And I do want you to notice right here, Jesus says something about eternal life that we need to get a firm grasp of. We so often talk about eternity as way out there. Eternity as heaven. And it is. Eternity as that resurrected life to be with him forever. And it is. But realize what Jesus just says in this verse, that this is eternal life right now, an intimate knowledge of God, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That intimate relationship is reflected in our prayer life. We are not just people who believe in what Jesus has done for us on the cross, have faith in his resurrection, and then wait patiently, go through our life on a daily basis just on our own, so that someday, somehow, we might end up in that eternal paradise with God. We have eternal life right now. We have eternal life in addition to heaven. We have eternal life in relationship with Him. And yet if prayer is not part of our life, if communing with God is not part of our life, if speaking to God in words of praise and glorify, if bringing before God our needs and our worries and our concerns, if we are not connected with God vitally, we're missing part of what eternal life is all about. We're getting to have eternity right now. There's an old 80s song. I don't know if you like the old 80s songs, but I, I just got an affinity sort of them. And there's one about, you know, some say heaven, and heaven loves comes first. But, boy, it's a love song. Well, we'll make heaven a here a place on earth, right? Because love would come first. Anybody that going through your head now? No? You're like, uh, we don't remember that one. So Roy's got it. Thank you, Roy. Um, it's part of making heaven right now. It's still going to come, but right now being with the Lord. Well, what else does he say? He doesn't stop there. In verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by doing what? Finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence I had with you before the world began. Look at that verse 4. Look at it with me. Um, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. What is part of the giving glory to God? 
In verse 4, he talks about that it's about finishing the work. I don't know if you experience this, but this is definitely, I'll confess, I get tired. I, I, I'll be honest, it'd be like, I, I, I think somebody else could take a turn. <laughs> um, and, and that's just not in ministry, that's just in life, right? It's like, could somebody else pay the bills? Could somebody else uh, do the homework? Could somebody else uh, finish the job? Sometimes work just seems overwhelming. And then when a crisis comes, like the Washingtons are facing, or Hirsch with all the trees that have fallen down, it's like all of a sudden our workload got m multiplied and we didn't do any of it. It was no fault of our own. And it just feels too much. After our time of prayer on Sunday nights, uh, Miss Bunny came up to me last week and she said, you can't retire. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Miss Bunny, because you don't know that in my heart I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm kind of, mm, I could take a break. <laughs> it would be really nice to retire. And, and somehow she knew by her spirit, she's like, keep going. Finish the work that God has given you to do. Thank you for that word. Thank you for that encouragement. I need it. And you need it too. Jesus needed to hear this. Lord, I am finishing the work that you gave me to do. And he was encouraged. All of us have something to do. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has laid out for an advance for us to do in Ephesians chapter 2. I know this is the next couple slides, I think. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has laid out for us to do. We need to pray, and you need to pray for yourself. That may sound selfish, but Jesus did it, and we need to do it because we need the Lord. Now, when I say this, I am going to bring up a point. Sometimes we can take that wrong. Sometimes we can be very selfish in our prayers. There was several years back, there was a book, and you might have liked it. I didn't particularly care for it that much. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. Does anybody know this one? It was real popular for a while. It was a real little book. It wasn't very long. And it was based on a verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, it talks about a man named Jabez. And it says in, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10 on this next slide, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, I, I think the, the, uh, Wilkerson, the author of this book, was trying to point out that, hey, maybe God, if you're praying that God would help me do more in ministry and in service to God, that's a good thing. If God would expand my territory, if God would keep me from protected, that's not a bad prayer. Lord, I mean, especially when we face those things that are so fearful. Lord, protect us. That is not a wrong prayer. And Lord, keep us from pain and that suffering. Lord, help us endure. That is not a wrong prayer. But if all of our prayers are, Lord, bless me. Lord, give me more, you know, more stuff. Lord, give me more convenience. Lord, give me more money. Give me more. When it's just me, 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 me. I think we're going to be disappointed, number one. But that's not God's goal. Lord, finish your work in me. Lord, glorify your name through me. Lord, change me. I think our, our prayers can be more in line with what God has for us. Have you been spending time in prayer, praying for God to work in your life?
Well, Jesus doesn't stop with praying for himself. In fact, it says this in verse 6, I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. He goes on in verse 8, For I gave them the words you've given me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent to me. Who's Jesus praying for? He's praying for those who responded to his message. He's praying for these early disciples. I don't think it was just his 12 immediate apostle types, but he is praying for that larger community that had believed in him, who had trusted him, who came to that saving knowledge that Jesus really is the Messiah. And he begins to pray for his, his, his followers. What does he pray? These were the ones who were closest to him. Well, first of all, Jesus prays for his disciples. He does pray for their protection. Protection especially from evil. Look at what he says in verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still here. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Notice what he prays for. He prays for protection. Why? Well, because at first when Jesus was with him, you recall, like in the Gospel of Mark, early on, the disciples were in a boat, and these fishermen, these ones who were acquainted with the sea, those who were acquainted with the waters, all of a sudden a great squall, a great squall comes up, and the boat is tossed, and these fishermen, these experienced seamen, are saying, look, I, I, I'm going down, we're going down, and they wake Jesus up. By the way, I found that interesting. Jesus snoozing in the back. Everybody else is panicking over the storm, and Jesus is taking a nap. They wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we're going to drown here? And Jesus kind of in his, just, shh, be still. And the waves and the, the wind calm down. Oh, they were in a panic, but Jesus was with them. Jesus, the author of all things, the one by whom and for whom the universe was made, can just with a whisper, shh, be still, and the waves, and the storm, and everything goes calm. He was with them. He protected them. The demonic forces, the sickness, the illness, death even, could not keep his disciples down because Jesus was with them. The author of life, the ruler of all creation, was walking beside them. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> what need do I have? Whom will I fear? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right When Jesus is right there, but now we don't see Jesus right here. We don't visibly can reach out and say, uh, Jesus, can I just hold your hand because I'm a little nervous at this movie right now, or I'm really upset about this storm, or I don't know what's going to go. We just wish we could just reach out and just, could I just grab a hold of you? But Jesus prayed for us, Lord, protect them by the name that you've given me. One of the things we need to be doing is praying for protection. We need to be praying for protection uh, for those from physical harm because there is just wild craziness out there uh, as the Washingtons experienced this weekend. There is difficulties that people are facing um, that, that are just out there. I mean, we live in a world where, I mean, gun violence just seems to be on the rise, or at least I don't know if we're just hearing about it more, but it is just people are now fearful. Our children are fearful about schools. I mean, th this is a place where we need to pray very specifically, God, protect them, but also protect them from evil. 
The temptations are all around. The temptations seem so readily available. I mean, when we hear about things like the, the fentanyl epidemics and the opioid epidemics and the things that so people so easily get captured and drawn into, there are so many things. We have got to be in prayer. Lord, protect those we love. Protect those you love. Protect those in our life. Jesus prayed for his disciples, those that were close to him. It is not wrong to pray for your friends, for your parents, for your children, for your grandchildren. It is not wrong to be bringing them before the Lord consistently, asking the Lord to protect and to move. And even as they face some huge difficulties, Lord, we need you. You feel it? I've never felt it like I've felt it before. Lord, we need you. We've always needed you, but the storm seems to be blowing, and we need you. Notice what he says about the church, though. So that they would be one as we are one. Brothers and sisters, we also, as Valley Baptist Church, often use the word family. Hey, we're family. We need to be praying for God's protection here. Why? Because Satan has a strategy. It's so that they would be one as we are one. And Satan's strategy is to divide and conquer so that we could turn and be, become enemies of each other or be angry with each other. We might be frustrated about different things. Oh, this isn't how I wanted it done. Oh, this is not how we've done it in the past. Oh, this is not how I wanted the budget used. Oh, this is not what... And there's so often little things can become big things. Little things that are even unintentional can be seen as a slight or, or, or you feel left out or ignored or you don't seem to feel like you have the power. As this church grows and we are praying for growth, we are praying that God would add 20 more families, 20 more individuals here that would be part of this congregation. As that grows, that means other people have a say in what happens as we follow the Lord's leadership together. And all of a sudden conflict can occur. Are you praying for protection and praying for how we deal with each other? Look at in Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul reminds us, be completely humble and gentle. That doesn't mean we don't confront each other. That doesn't mean we don't challenge each other. But do so being patient, bearing with one another in love. Why? Because we're trying to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Satan wants to divide his people. Satan wants to, to, to tear us apart. And you know as a congregation that Satan has often won that battle. He has often divided us over different things. He has often broken. Brothers and sisters, would you help me? Would you join me in praying for peace? in praying for unity, in praying for the Lord to have his way in us, in praying that God would keep us in good relationship, and then do your work of making every effort to keep the bond of peace by bearing with one another in love. In John 17, Jesus prays for us the exact same thing. He goes on to say in verse 20, My prayer is not for them alone, not for his immediate disciples who were right there in that day, but also for all who would believe in me through their message. Guess who that means? You. Me. Jesus was already praying for you. And it says that what? They would be one. They would be unified. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world might believe that you have sent me. 
Brothers and sisters, when we are divided, when we are arguing over the, what's happening within the church and what's happening in the world, when we are divided over American politics or we are divided over other things, and not to say that we can't have debates or discussions, but when we are allowing divisiveness, anger, like true brokenness to seep in in those areas... Why would the world ever want to join us? How could we ever say, oh yeah, Jesus makes a, will make a difference in your life when we are showing that we are acting just like everyone else? My prayer is not for them alone. He prays for us that we also would have unity. There's a couple other things he prays for. When he prays for his disciples, he prays that they would have joy. Joy even in the trials of life. Look what he says in verse, seven, in, in verse 13. I am coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I'm saying this now. I, I, I've already told them I'm going to go to the cross. I've already told them I will rise again. I've told them that I'm going to be with the Father forever. I've told them the end of the story, but I'm saying it now. So that as they go through trials, as they go through the difficulties, as they face the hardships, they will have joy. Okay, do you ever skip to the end of the book? You know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it's like I just get a little... Is this going to... This is getting tense. I, I don't want to make sure it ends well, because I hate those ones that don't end well. I hate those ones that's like, I, mm, I, I don't know. I, maybe I want to just make sure there's some kind of a happy ending here. Is there something... Do you ever skip to the end? Jesus in that moment was skipping to the end. Jesus was skipping to the moment to, to remind us of that good ending, that he is already going to the Father and that he is coming back for us. He was skipping to the end to remind us that in our prayer life it's going to work out. Let me tell you this one. It, it, I hope that you join us and want to join us sometime on our, our Wednesday night prayer meetings that we have virtually so that everybody can come, you can log in. Um, this past week was a fun one, I'll tell you. People were sharing some stories about what the Lord had done. And they shared a story about a particular family in this church where there had been such great division. I mean brokenness, like people weren't speaking to each other. And they shared how the church began to pray that there would be reconciliation between a mother and a son and that God would bring that family back together. And I, I don't know if you, I don't know if this stood out because most of you are like, oh yeah, do you remember when that happened? Oh yeah, we were just really praying and praying. And the guy, oh yeah, God, just, oh wow. And he brought them, remember when he came and they were together here at the church? And I mean, just kind of recounting this story. And I didn't live through that. I hadn't seen it, but I'm glad I heard that story. Why? Because it reminded me that the people who are, have a broken relationship now, those marriages that are torn up right now, those, those, those broken parts between parents and child, between those who are, should be loving each other, we can be praying for restoration. We can be praying for healing. We can be and we need to be those that are consistently laying before God these needs. Jesus showed us the ultimate end of the story. But we need to remember the small stories that we've seen where God has answered prayer because it reminds me the need I have for the God to move, that I can't do this, that he has to do this. In John 17, it finally says this, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. What is he praying about? Transformation. Transformation. 
God has given us his word. He's given us his truth. And ultimately, as we pray, we are praying about a discipleship issue. That people would be transformed. That they are not of the world anymore. That our thinking would be changed. Because we are bombarded by every sort of idea and ideology. We are bombarded by philosophy, often which Paul calls hollow and deceptive philosophy, depending on human traditions and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. That's Colossians chapter 2. We are bombarded in our thinking and God has called us to be transformed. He's given us his word that calls us to not be of this world, but to be like him. And so he says this in this prayer. Jesus says, sanctify them. Make them holy by your truth. Because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. For them I sanctify myself. Jesus is saying, I'm setting myself apart for your work so that they may truly be set apart or sanctified, be transformed, and be holy. Brothers and sisters, I'm in a church where there's a lot of people who have known the Lord for a long time. People who I regard as saints in the Lord. People who know his word. But my prayers for you is that the Lord would not, is, would not leave you alone. Would not leave us as we are. But would continue to move in us and sanctify us. That would continue to transform our lives. So this morning I ask you this. What is the area that God is calling you into more prayer? Is it for yourself? It's okay. Especially if you're praying for Jesus to be glorified in your, in your life. Is it for those who are close to you? People in your family, people who are your friends, people who are your neighbors. Are you praying for this church? What are you praying for? Are you praying for some global concerns, things in the world? I want to challenge you this morning. It's the same challenge that God gives in his word in Isaiah. He says, I posted watchmen. You know, the people who would be on the tower, who would be looking out all night, who would be watching out, making sure the city was protected. He says in verse 6 of Isaiah, that next slide, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest. And give the Lord, give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her pr the praise of the earth. What are we to do? Pray. Not give up. Not get, turn it down uh, a notch. Not give ourselves a vacation or a break. But we need God's word. Uh, we need our time in prayer to be consistent. I'll tell you, for most of my Christian life, it was, I was pretty, pretty consistent reading my Bible. But prayer was not the thing. The Lord's been teaching me, no, 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 bring that back. And so we have Sunday nights, right here, 6 o'clock. No big program, no preaching, no sermon. We just offer our prayers before the Lord. You're invited to come. That back door is open. Wednesday nights, we have our prayer meeting where we talk and discuss about the prayer needs of the church and lift up time virtually to the Lord. But today, I want you to challenge you to do one thing. One thing right now. You were given, hopefully, a card when you came in. A couple of them, actually. If you didn't get one, you can slip up your hand, and uh, one of our ushers will bring one around. 
But there should be a time for you to write something down. Now, you got two cards because one is for you to keep. One is for you to keep and put somewhere. Put it in your Bible. Put it on a mirror when you're getting ready in the morning. Put it on the, the dash of your car. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it day after day so that you give yourself no rest and continue to bring before the Lord the need that you think you need to be praying for right now. Maybe it's one or two. There's plenty of lines there. But you can write one for the church too. Because on Sunday night, we're laying these requests before the Lord. We're laying these people before the Lord. We're being, asking God to move, and we're not giving ourselves rest till the Lord moves in those lives. Tonight, would you take a moment just to write down for yourself and for, every, for, for us as a church your prayer need? I'm going to give us a moment to, to kind of think and to pray. I'm going to give us a moment to, 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 to reflect on what God has. Would you take this moment to pray for that need, to write it down? And when you're ready, if you're able, would you come and just, just lay your prayer need here on the altar? Uh, keep one for yourself. Lay one here. Lay it before the Lord. And know that we as a church, on Sunday nights, we're going to be praying, lifting these up each night. So don't put anything super personal. <laughs> don't, if, you don't, if you don't need to give a whole name, just put an initial. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Put just a first name. It's okay. But you lay down to the Lord. Let us put the, these requests. If you need a card, uh, just slip up your hand if you would like one, and uh, the ushers will bring it around. While you're doing this, let's take this time for prayer.